Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Michael Jacobs. We believe today's message will help you walk in faith and have victory now. All right, let's, let's go over here to Hebrews chapter 1. And I don't know, maybe I preached this the other night. If I did, just act like you never heard it. But I pray, you know, this is what I do. I get in my hotel, I don't sit around and watch movies, and I don't run around all day telling jokes and goofing off. I, I pray, I rest, I talk to God, and I listen, and I do my best to hear Him clearly. And so He said to talk about this, I'm going to talk about personal angels. Because I'm in a, of the impression, just as a general rule of thumb, I'm not blaming you, I'm, I'm not scolding anybody, but as a general rule, sometimes the body of Christ, I teach this all over the world, really. Now I've been on over 120 mission trips, 23 countries, and I don't know that people got it. Let me, let me put it to you this way. This would be the two questions if I were to interview you when you came in the building. I would ask you, first of all, do you believe in angels? You probably would almost jump up and down and say, oh, yeah, I believe in them. My next question would be, when's the last time that you can tell me just one, just one event. You can just give me one. I'll be sufficient. Where you prayed and spoke to an angel. I didn't say you saw him, but you spoke to him. And you asked for his help to go do thus and such. And then you saw thus and such come to pass. You got an example? <laughs> Most people would just be silent. So that says to me, I'm not being rude. Just listen to my comment that you believe in them mentally, but you don't really get any benefit from them, so really, you don't believe in them. <laughs> so I want to talk to you tonight about, uh, I think I wrote a new title down for this sermon, Giving Your Angels, Your Angels, Something to Work With. <laughs> I'm talking about personal angels. I'm talking about angels assigned to you. Uh, it's, he, they're assigned to your husband too and your wife, your kids, everybody that's in this planet has been born here. That's the way you get here, you get born here through a woman. And so when you get born, you have an angel assigned to you, but if you don't know anything about it, and when you're young you wouldn't, but your parents would know if they know what I'm teaching, to use their faith to release the angels that's over your children to keep them safe. Are you listening to me? Yeah, or whatever you need to so I want to talk to you about your personal angel tonight. I'll try not to go on and on. And sometime tonight I'm going to pray for the younger generation. I was teasing last night. I think somebody was sitting over here. And I said something about how about 30, 30 and under. Nobody, and they said 40 and under. Some girl over here went, that'd go good. She must be under 40. I don't know. Then I said I'm under 70. Listen, this is not a figment of my imagination. I'm a very intelligent person. And when I, I wasn't very intelligent for quite a few years after I took so much drugs, my brain was affected and my mind was affected, but that's not true now. And I've been studying on this subject for 43 years, and I certainly don't know everything about it yet. I still am good, I'm a good student. I'm a student of God. I'm a student of his scriptures. And I was a student of Dr. Dufresne's, and uh, I loved him dearly. I was with him 20 years before he went to heaven. Uh, so I want to just talk to you a little bit tonight, give you some scriptures, and encourage you to give that angel something to work with. I would say it this way. You know, when I first wrote the book, I didn't know all that I know now. I think the book's 27 years old. I would say it this way today. Your words 
your words for your angels, my words for my angels. Let you listen to me. And secondly, I'm going to show you that you have more than one. You have a main guardian angel over you, but then you have, I call him personal, but then he has other angels under him. And I'll, I'll explain that when we get to that point. But I want you to get some benefits out of these angels. And I want them to begin to help you more, but they won't unless you speak to them. Are you listening? Hold your place there in Hebrews. Put something there. You just come back to it. Go to Psalms 140. Let me find it here. I don't think it's in my notes right here by me, but 148. And I think this would help you to understand what I'm going to say. Hallelujah. Psalm 140. I'm talking about your personal angels. Angels that are assigned to you, whatever your name is. If your name's Diane, your name's John, your name's Peter, your name's Mary, whoever you are. You have angels assigned to you just by the fact that you're born here. And that song that Denise sang, that's true. The goodness of God. I didn't ask for the angels. I didn't, I didn't even know they existed. I had a vision when I was five, but I won't talk about that. I haven't talked about the visions, I don't think, did I? No, I wasn't going to this particular service and this particular meeting. Unless I need to, I will. But look at here, Psalm 148, uh, verse 2. Praise you him. All his angels. Praise ye him, all his hosts. Host is just another name for spirit beings that run with God. So a host could be an angel or some other being that I don't really fully understand yet. But we're he said all his angels praise him, praise the Lord, and all his hosts. Praise ye him, sun and moon. Praise ye him, you stars of light. Praise ye him, heavens of heavens, and you waters that be above the heavens. Let the name of the Lord, uh, let, let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. Now let me interpret that because I knew there was something in here. I don't know how long ago I discovered this, maybe 15 years. I looked up the word commanded first and it says he charged his angels. He appointed them something to do. You know, I'm talking about personal angels now. Uh, he appointed them or charged them or spoke words to them. When the word charge is used in here, it's meaning you spoke words to somebody. Okay. And then it says, and they were created. The word created in the Hebrew means dispatched. So they listened to his words and they were dispatched. And I'm talking now about the angels in this planet. I'm not talking about angels in heaven. I'm talking about the angels on the earth. I don't have time to teach you. It'd take me too long. But if you got my book on angels, we, we've got to, we teach you about that. There's a large contingency of angels in this planet. And there's so many they can't be numbered. Because God talked to me about it a couple years ago. He said, Michael, you have a thing called census? I said, yes, sir. They try to figure out there is how many of us are on the planet. And he said, and they come pretty close to saying, you know, there's 7 billion or 8 billion. And does anybody know what it is right now? Huh? Not really? Okay, it's okay. We don't have to be scientists to get this lesson. <laughs> but he charged them, but then he dispatched them. Now, now you remember, keep hold of that because I'm going somewhere with you. Uh, Ephesians 5 and verse 1. Just, and just, I'm kind of teaching off the cuff now. Just what the Lord is speaking to me to talk to you about this, at this moment. Ephesians 5 and verse 1. Ephesians 5 and verse 1, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love. 
but the word followers is the Greek word that is translated imitate. So he said, be an imitator of God as your children. We just read that what God did, he appointed the angel something to do. He spoke to that angel. And then he released him to go fulfill that. So if I'm going to be an imitator of my father, and you're going to be an imitator, you're going to have to do the same thing. Let me say it to you this way. This makes, I mean, I like to get to the point of things. And I think God gives me help to do that. I'm a very simple person. If you tell me you don't understand me, I really need to pray for your brain. You know, I'm smarter than I act. <laughs> no, listen, I mean, I don't use uh, big fancy words to people. I just cut it to the chase. I get down to the nitty gritty. And if just God speaking to them would have done it all, honey, I wouldn't need to preach on them. We'd already be in utopia. So that we know that didn't do it. They were waiting for us in the planet Earth to respond to them with the same thing God told them, which is the Word of God. He never speaks. He is the Word. And I would say to you, too, this is another, this important point right here, that you would read Psalm 91 every day and pick it apart and release the words of your mouth coming out. I dwell in the secret place of the Most High, which basically means I don't just go to church. I don't just show up for the, when the bell rings, but I'm staying tight with Jesus every day. And he says, you, he said, then the psalmist said, Lord, you're my refuge, you're my fortress, you're my God, and in you will I trust. And then you get on into it later, he talks about the angels. He's given his angels, his angels, as a creator. He gave the angels, you know, words to take care of us that we might, in all of our ways, and we're going to be afraid if a thousand came against us on one side or ten thousand, we're still not touched. That's, and I know that's Old Covenant. Normally I wouldn't tell you to do that, but I was reading the other day about Brother Hagen. He said the same thing I'm telling you. He did, I didn't read that to say it after him, but I wouldn't be ashamed. I like following smart people spiritually. Now you can be well educated and dumb as a rock when it comes to what I'm teaching. I'm not accusing you of that, but a lot of people just don't get it. You have a responsibility towards God to do what the Bible teaches, and I'm telling you how to get these angels activated. And if you don't do it, I'm, always, I'm already doing it. I've been doing it for almost 40 years when I figured out it. That's what they needed me to say that. But when you say, Lord, you're my fortress, I know the Lord's your fortress too. Uh, the angels are not in competition with God. Get that out of your head. The, all the good angels and God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost, they're all working together to accomplish the same thing, to put you over in the earth to get you the money you need, to get you the intelligence you need, to get you to think right about things. All right. So anyway, I, I'm excited about teaching you on this. And you say, well, I don't know what to say. I just told you. What did I just tell you? Psalm 91. Now, there's many other scriptures. I like 2 Timothy 4, 17 and 18. It's one of my favorite scriptures of the whole Bible. Yeah. And I don't know if anybody has that on the refrigerator. Lift your hand. I didn't think you did. The Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and preserve me until he comes or until I have lived my life out. And then just say, well, I'm going home. I'm not driven out of my body by sickness and disease. I'm not forced out. You, you should be picking what you're going to do when you get older, not wait till you get there and try to figure it out. All right. Of course, 
old ignorant Sam, he's going to write something on your death certificate because everything stops working when you leave your body. That's why when I've had the visions I've had, angels came and took care of my body. Because if they hadn't, I, my body would have fell over and I wasn't coming back. But God preserved it so I could get back to it when he was done talking to me or the angels were done talking to me. All right, I'm not going to preach real long tonight, but I think this is important. God just brought me right back to it and said, talk about personal angels. I'll tell you a little secret. I'm not going to tell you the pastor's name. <laughs> but I went to a church the first time, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, maybe 12 years. I don't remember, but something like that. So... And normally, if I can, I'll ask the pastor before I come, would it be okay if I teach on angels? And so far, none of them have, you know, been upset with me or say, you know, I don't want you to talk about that. They have said, I don't want you to talk about deliverance. Now, I, I'm a little bolder than I was when I was younger. I might say, what are you afraid of? What is the matter with you, sir, ma'am? Why are you so afraid of the devil? He's already defeated. I'm going to help you get, get it in your head to walk over him constantly. Yeah. I put some sticky tabs on the bottom of my shoe. I don't have them now. I taped them. You're defeated and I'm not. Ha ha. And I walked around like that for a couple of weeks because he's under my feet. He had to read it. Yeah. And he'd run away from that when he saw it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you with me? Yes. So anyway, I went there and taught. Uh, the, ver the first part of that would be, in, this what I'm teaching tonight would be incorporated in that, it isn't all I taught. It's been on how many sessions I had. So I went back the next year, I taught something different. He asked me back, I went back and taught something different. About five years later, the Lord said, when you go back, don't tell them that you already taught this before. They're just act like you're teaching a new, new subject. Don't tell them that because you'd be lying but just act like you're teaching them something new. So I, and nobody said diddly squat to me uh, when I was there the first time and taught on it. I went back the second time six years later, and they're all like, we'd never heard anything like that in our life. <laughs> so did you tell them you'd already taught them? No, I'm not mad at people. I'm not trying to ridicule people, but it showed me they heard something, but they didn't hear what I said because they, they didn't have any revelation about it. So what we're teaching you, you have to think about what I'm saying a little bit, but I got plenty of chapters and verses. I wouldn't lead you astray. I'm very diligent in my study time. I don't know if you realize that, but I am. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 1. I asked you to turn there a while back. And Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. And the they in verse 14 refers to the angel's comment in verse 13. Let me read 13 too. But which of the angels said he... Uh, that's God speaking. At any time, sit on my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. He didn't say that to angels. He's trying to bring a point home. Jesus is beyond the angels. In this first chapter and partly in the second, they're giving you stuff between the angels and Jesus. Jesus is God, and he's in, he's in the flesh now. You know, he has a flesh and blood, well, flesh and bone body. He had flesh and blood, ended it before he came. But he spilled his blood and gave his life for us. And are they, then verse 14, they the angels, are they not all ministering spirits? I like to say it this way, they all have a job. Now, you, you know, I don't know, they, let me say it different, they have a job description. But if you can't activate them and they're assigned to you, they're not doing anything. And if you talk negative, like some people say, well, you know, I'm not the smartest tool in the toolkit. 
You might not be, but I wouldn't say that. Because God may need you to do a job that's three times what your intelligence level is and just go ahead and believe him for it. <laughs> What's wrong with that? I mean, how could you be ignorant if God's in you? Okay, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth? And by the way, you and I are sending them forth. They sent forth to minister, or we could use this word render service for them. That would be me and you who shall be heirs of salvation. But if you're already a heir of salvation, you're born again, then he says they've been sent forth for those who are the heirs of salvation. If he sent angels into my life as a drug addict to preserve me and protect me, which he did, because I, a lot of my friends, they got shot to death or overdosed. I even died one time through an overdose. But he resurrected me. I didn't stay dead. I'm so glad I didn't. I was at the ceiling looking back on my body. And man, I didn't look good at all. And all of a sudden, he put my spirit back in me. Anyway, let me, let me go on with this. So I'm showing you here that all the angels have ministries or things to do that they've been assigned to them. Are you listening? And I can't even begin to tell you how much. I, I know I have one angel, one particular angel that does lungs, COPD, asthma, bronchial problems, and cancer of the lungs. I've had several people get new lungs. In fact, uh, a late, well, was this church? Yeah, it was this church. I don't remember though. I think she later died of something else, not that. But I think she was in the prayer line and I tapped her on the foot. I didn't know her. Uh, it was earlier when I started coming. I still don't know a lot of your names, but you look nice. <laughs> and I tapped her on her foot with my foot to let somebody know I'm talking to this lady. You could write it down and give it to her. God said he's given her a new lung. And she had three quarters of one lung removed through a surgeon and went back to him six weeks later. And he said, my God, you got a brand new lung. How'd that happen? <laughs> I took it out, three quarters of it. And it's all grown back and healthy. Anyway. Anyway, we're just talking about some things. I'm not the healer. I just know him. I'm a FedEx guy. <laughs> I'll have to get a new acronym for God's service. But anyway, uh, so we see here, they are all ministering spirits. Even if I don't know what their job description is, I know the ones that work with me, what they do. And I have two of them. They came and visited me after a vision in 2008, to, you know, 2008. And eight of them came into my life. They were all new to me at that point. One defended me that particular night against this creature that came come to get me. And it was demonic for sure. And uh, anyway, he took him out. He had a bow and arrow. I, I know this sounds far, it sounds like science fiction. You know God's way ahead of science fiction. And so uh, the Lord said to me, because I was talking to him through the vision, my wife said I never said a word, so it, in, it proved that I wasn't there. My body was laying at the carpet at the altar, but I went somewhere for 35 minutes. Dad Dufresne ministered to me, and, and him and Pastor Nancy, and they sat down and waited on me. The whole congregation waited on me for 35, and I'm somewhere else. Because I said to my wife, you didn't hear me talking? No. I said, well, then I was in another dimension. I knew I was somewhere, because I said, Lord, am I in heaven? He said, no, but pay attention. I want to show you something. So where was I? I don't know. I just was not in heaven, but I wasn't on this planet either. There's a lots of things you don't know, and I don't know fully. I'm just telling you what happened to me. These eight angels flew in, and they laid on each side of me. I was laying flat in the vision. I was laying flat at church, too. 
But wherever, wherever dimension I was in, the angels flew in. There was eight of them, and they lined up on each side of me on their knees. They weren't worshiping me. They were facing each other. And all of a sudden, so I'm remembering God. The last thing he said to me was, Michael, I want to show you something. Okay. I'm laying there. I'm looking. I don't see a lot other than eight angels with me and myself. All of a sudden, I look over here on the left, and there's a little knoll, a little like a a little rise in the ground, and so this head comes up. It's a demonic-looking creature. I haven't seen the body yet, and then his body comes over that hill, and he looks at me, and I look at him, and he is vicious and angry, and he's coming for me. And I'm trying to get out in the name of Jesus. <laughs> and I don't know why my speech seemed slow right then. I said, in the, and this angel down at my right foot, right here, he was kneeling. All of a sudden, he stood up. He had a bow. He didn't have any armament. He just had an outfit on. He had a bow, and then he went like this, and he got an arrow, and he went, shoo, hit that creature. He's about halfway to me. Hit him in the chest, and he disintegrated. Like, uh, you remember the red boxes Etch-A-Sketch? Yes. Your kids used to make all kinds of designs, and you probably played with it a little too. Yes. You shake it, and it dis. That's what it seemed like. He's, he's coming at me. He's this monster-looking creature. <laughs> Eight or ten feet tall. And I said, I've never seen anything like that. And I said to the Lord, uh, he said to me, he said, these are the kind of beings coming after you now in the prophet's ministry. And this angel at your right foot, he said, he's assigned you the rest of your life to protect you from beings like that. I said, thank you. I, then I, then I challenged him. I said, well, what about the guardian angel I had that came and got me healed when I was a crippled boy? You still have him too, but he's not doing that. This one is taking, it's his is assigned to you as a prophet. And then later on, I talked to Dr. Dufresne. Of course, that night I told him what happened when we got just private in my car, me and my wife and him and Pastor Nancy. He shut the doors and he said, what'd you see, Michael? I told him, I said, if you tell me I'm goofy or crazy, I'll just forget it. But this is what happened. He said, did any other do, show you what they do? I said, no. The Lord didn't talk to me about the other seven. He said, well, just release them every day. They're assigned to you. That's why they flew in and knelt down by your side. And so... I, I said to God, I thought I, I had this angel helping me when I was, that I saw when I was five. He, he does, but he's not a specific angel like I put this one with you. This is all he does. He deals with creatures like this. And I know you've never seen anything like that until now. I said, that's exactly right. And thank God you're giving me protection. <laughs> if I hadn't been in faith, I, I, I might have been really uptight. But I said, in the, and I was trying to get out in the name of Jesus, I bind you or rebuke you. And that angel just took over within the, he finished it. I mean, let me take that just a little further because I don't know if you even follow me. You can think this guy's a nut. I never heard anything like this. There's a lot you haven't heard, even from me. I'm not bragging about anything. I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it. But God chose to do that in my life and give me visions and show me things. And so I learned from visions too. You know, Genesis 15, you can read it sometime later. The first verse said God dealt with uh, Abraham in a vision. He taught him something through a vision. Anyway, so he does that with me. I didn't ask about it. I never asked. I need to see something. I, because I realized as when I was a young man in Christ, I didn't ask stuff like that. I didn't ask stupid stuff like that. I don't know why, how God helped me not to ask goofy questions. I'm sure I've asked some over the years, but not about that. So 2017 came and went. 2008 was the vision with eight angels, and this one has the bow. And 
I said at the end of the year in December, I hope I'm making sense. I'm just giving you some highlights here. I said, Lord, I appreciate you saved me because two times that year I felt like I had a death threat on me. Now, what does that mean? That means I sense that something's been assigned to try to take me out this year. And two different times in the year, I said, in Jesus' name, I take authority over that. I'm not even sure what it is. I know it's not supposed to be, and I take dominion over it and rebuke it. And the Lord spoke back to me, and he said, Michael, there were six attempts. <laughs> and then he said to me, did you not listen to me in 208? I said, I thought I did. He said, I told you then, that angel, the one at your right foot that has the bow and the arrow, he will take care of everything like that. So what different, then I felt stupid because I only discerned two of them, and there were six. He said, it wouldn't matter if there's 60. He, I sent him into your life to protect you from creatures like this. Now, I'd seen other demonic powers before, nothing like, quite like I saw that night. And I talked to Dad and told him the whole story, and he said, oh, you're all right. And I said, you, I just keep releasing all eight of them every day because they're assigned to you, so that's what I did. All right. Now, let's see where I'm at here, where I want to go. Let's reread verse 14 one more time, maybe a comment or two, and then we'll move ahead. Are they not all ministering spirits? And the Weymouth translation of this verse 14, James Weymouth, he's got a New Testament. It's a good one. And it says he calls them benefits. You have benefits have been assigned to you. Benefits, uh, a ministering spirit is a benefit, he says, which if you interpret benefit from Webster, a useful aid or a help. Now, what I don't understand is why I go all over the world and teach this and nobody ever acts like, I didn't know I had a benefit. That's what I'm telling you. You didn't know it, but you've had a benefit all along. If you just listen to me, I can help you. It involves your whole life. How about whether you're sick, if you're sick or not, whether you should go to the doctor or not. Brother Hagin said this, some men died because they went to the hospital, and women too. And some other people you know, went to, and died because they didn't go. You need to figure out which way God's showing you. How about your job? How, why couldn't you just assign your angel to give you favor and to begin to put you, get right people into your life that would help you find the right job? Why couldn't you pray over your marriage and release an angel to help you? in any way that he can. Or if you need money, they will help you that. If you're, if you're really legit and you're giving, you're a tither and an offer giver, and you're not going to get it because if you don't give anything, you don't deserve anything. You don't even deserve what you do get. Get that out of your head. You're not, it's not like, hey, I, God owes me. God doesn't owe us anything. See, live free of all that garbage. Took me a long time to figure this out. I hope you appreciate it. Not trying to impress God. I'm not trying to live wrong. But at the same time, I'm not trying to, well, I read my Bible this week, and I went to church this week, and I gave some money. No, that's silliness. No, I do that anyway because I love Him. And I travel all over the world because I love Him. I think some people think I'm Hollywood. Well, then buy me a jet, and I'll just fly all over the world. I'm just talking to you here. I'm not, I'm not playing with it. I'm just trying to help you that you have benefits you know not of. Anything you could need to believe for. Of course, God's behind the whole thing. You know who their creator is? God. <laughs> the devil didn't create them. There's a bunch of them on his side because they tried to have a heavenly coup. I remember when they took over, I think it was Guatemala one time back in my lifetime. Some rebels. They just got all the leaders and shot them dead. Took the country over for a while. Until something changed. 
Uh, see, God's not like that. God loves us, and He's put these beings into our life to be a benefit to us. And you could get excited that I'm talking about it, but it really don't mean anything to me until I see that you're using them. Yes. Yes. To, get, to, to, to have the benefits that He's already provided. Well, you say, I'm not good enough. Well, you need to get saved. That's what makes you good enough that you got saved, and His blood makes you good enough. It's a benefit of the kingdom. Are you listening? All right. And let me just read down verse 3 a minute and show you something here. How are we going to escape if we neglect so great a salvation? In that particular context, he's not talking about the new birth. He's talking about if we neglect the fact that God's given angels over us to keep us and keep us safe, and we deny that and we reject that, then there's some things going to happen that are not his will, but they happen because uh, we neglected that part of our salvation. Now, salvation in this context really means healing, deliverance, soundness, so, you know, the, the Lord, the angels deliver me from stuff like that one creature coming at me, even if I don't see everything. I'm not required to see everything. You do know that, don't you? Just want to make sure you know that. I've had a lot of visions, but now as far as I'm 73 years old, I have had more recently in the last five or ten than I had before. And I'm not seeing things every day. Let me help your correction on your thinking there. I'm not looking into the spirit every day. But I can see into the Spirit when God permits me to. Many times in prayer lines, He shows me things in people, and I deal with it. But I don't always say exactly what I'm really saying because I don't want to embarrass somebody. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're talking about personal angels. Uh, you could call them guardian angels if you like. Let's go back here to Job chapter 4. Job chapter 4. Thank you, Father. I'm excited about it. I, I know you are. You're just listening to me. Uh, Job chapter 4 and verse 18. You could read around it later, but let me just get a couple more scriptures in us before we do anything here. Because I want you to see how important it is that you have, you have servants that have been sent from God to help you in this earth walk. I'm not concerned about heaven. There's no devils up there. There's no disease up there. So I'm really dealing with us in this planet right now where we have enemies. The adversary is the devil and all his cohorts, all those who serve him that are underneath him. So here, this is about Job. Job 4.18. Behold, he put no trust, or we would say no faith maybe, in his servants... But the Amplified Bible of Job 4.18 says he puts no trust in his heavenly servants. These are heavenly beings he's talking about and not natural people. Behold, he put no trust in his heavenly servants and his angels. You got to underline his angels. This old covenant man, by the way. This man, Job, was alive about the time of, Job, of Abraham. I studied it out one time. And he charged his angels with folly. We would just say foolishness. And guess what the angels do when you do that? Nothing. They don't listen to foolishness. If, they, if we try to release them, they won't be released. But other groups, the demonic powers, you know, when you say things like, I'm just not that smart, quit saying that. Begin to think you are smart because God lives in you and he's, he's really smart. And trust that he will reveal to you what you need to know. 
So you can't charge, you could charge them with folly, but you're not getting any benefit from them because they don't do stuff like that. And you can get negative sometimes because maybe you let things go on too long in your mind and you process it and process it until it's become a part of you. And that takes a real strong person, man or woman, to break that. What I mean is normally you could break it off yourself if it's at a lower level. But eventually you get to a place that's going to take somebody like myself who understands deliverance to maybe get that off of you. But in most cases, the earlier part of that, you could get delivered yourself. All right. You speak to it. You can't outrun a thought. (laughs) If the devil says something to you, I would say, shut up and get out of here. And he shuts up and he gets out of there. All right. So we're seeing here, number one, the problem with Job. Well, we know the problem with Job. He got in fear about his children. So you that have children, I'm talking to you right now. Quit being afraid about your children. What's the point? You're going to take them down with you if you get in fear. <laughs> a lot of kids are in faith, but not every kid. Anyway, I'm just talking to you. But now I want you to see something with me. Let me repeat. I'll read this again. He put no faith in his heavenly servants or his angels. And I've, I've been people, you know, I've heard they talked about me. Well, that Dr. Jacobs just acts like he got all kinds of angels helping him. That's right. You want me to lie and tell you I don't have it? No, <laughs> I'm trying to help you. Now, some, a few of them may be in my, ment- in my ministry mantle because of that. Because that one that had the bow, the Lord said, I'm assigning him to you because of your prophetic uh, mantle that you've come into just recently. And those are the kind of creatures he pointed to that thing. I'm glad he did. Those kind of creatures are going to start coming after you, not the ones you've seen in the past. And that's why he's in your life, to take care of all that. You know, I went to a Catholic bookstore once. I think I told this here. I don't remember if I did. And I was going to check out, and the computer broke. So God kept dealing with me. I drove by this Catholic bookstore in Louisville, I don't know, several times because I was over that way. And God said, I want you to go in there and shop around. So I went in there and shopped around. I got a book or something, put it on the counter. I was second in line. The lady said, the computer has had a meltdown. You both will have to wait a minute. I said, well, I'm going to go over there and look at stuff in your uh she had a glass, like a glass book shape, books shelf, and had doors on it with glass, and it had uh, different figurines in there. But there was one on the third shelf that I looked at, but he was looking more towards me than away from me. And I wanted to see, in the front, he looked like the one that dealt with that creature. But in the back, I wanted to see if he had a, what do you call that? Quiver, arrows, keeps your arrows. But his hand was like this, and he went like that, and he did have a bow in his hand. I thought, oh my goodness. I said, lady, can you turn that one to where I can see his back? There was the quiver. I said, I know that guy. (laughs) He's delivered me a couple times and the people in the store went. (laughs) Started running. (laughs) Yeah, Helen, we got a real one over here. Look out. (laughs) I wasn't trying to make people feel like I was a nut, but I said, I know that guy. I want to buy that. So I bought it from him. Put it in my office. Remind me of his presence in my life. I don't forget his presence anyway. But it just, I thought somebody had a, he wasn't in that vision. The guy that made that, I didn't see him. But, but somebody had a vision to make this being like that. So we're not going to charge our angels with folly. Find scripture, Psalm 91 
And there's, there's a lot of good things in Psalms, but you're in the new covenant mainly because you're in a better covenant. So if Psalm 91 was true for them, how much more would it be for us? And since the whole, the whole context of Psalm 91 is primarily about angels and God, I would, just, I would read that constantly and begin to confess that. You know, they keep me in all my ways. All right. Now, uh, so far, I think we've done okay. Let's go to Revelation 22, the last chapter of your Bible. I'm not trying to draw this out, but I need to get a couple more scriptures in us to feel like I was able to help you. And uh, here's my book on it here. I, I don't know if there's any left here, but you could order it from uh, my, my church or whatever. You can call and talk to somebody about it. We could send you one if you don't have one, if you want to buy it. Uh, Revelation 22, verse 8 and 9. This is John, not John the Baptist, but John the Apostle uh, that was one of the disciples with Jesus, that 12. And he said, And I, John, saw these things and heard them. He's talking about what he recorded in the book of Revelation. And when I heard and seen, I fell down to worship. Watch this, before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. And by the way, that angel was... A, was a personal angel to Jesus because Jesus said, I'm sending my angel to you to reveal these things. And the angel said, verse 9, this is critical, see that you don't do that. I am your fellow servant. I translated it better from the Greek. I'm your servant. And he says, and of your brethren, the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book, worship God. So I don't worship angels, though I've talked about them a long time. And people get the wrong idea. I never worship angels, and they don't worship me. That's, that's illegal. <laughs> and if somebody comes and says, worship me, I'd rebuke it. Yeah. Angels won't take worship from you. The ones that are real and are on God's side and on our side, they're not goofy. Anyway, so we're seeing that angels then, according to this scripture right here, are servants to us. Now, see, and I used to think money was the harder thing to get a hold of, but now I'm convinced authority in the body of Christ is what picks people fail more than anything. When I try to teach on authority, I mean, uh, people would just attack me almost. But you're a joint heir with Jesus. You know how, and I always say, if, you, if that won't put you over, honey, you might as well go on to heaven because there's, nothing, there's not a part B to that. You're either a joint heir with Jesus or you're not. If you're born again, you're a joint heir with him. And he did it. I didn't do it for you. Don't thank me. I'm just telling you what you have. Yeah. You're a joint heir with Jesus. Everything he has, we have. Amen. When my wife was alive, she went to heaven a few years ago. I had a dual bank account, which had her name and my name on it. So that meant if I went to the bank, I could do whatever I want. Draw all my money out or put a million dollars in or whatever. Or put 50 in. She could do the same thing because we were equal in authority. She wasn't over me. I wasn't over her. Well, you're not over Jesus. He's not over you. He is as the head, but still you're seated with him. You're not a sub anything. You're not a sub heir. I think if I said that, most people would say amen, but that, that's, that's heresy if you're, a joint, if you're not a joint heir. You're not a sub heir. You're a joint heir. All right. Now, let's go back to the book of Genesis chapter 48. And some people say, well, I've heard all this before. Well, great. We get to look at it again. <laughs> And I, some of these people who say, do you have to use all those scriptures? No, I get to use all those scriptures. 
I'd say it because I'm getting older now. I'm not old. I'm just a little older, 73. That the more scripture you have, the better off you'll be if you have revelation of it. And a lot of times you'll come across things and you'll want to, your, your flesh wants to push back on it because you don't see yourself in that position. I had a little vision just recently, about maybe two and a half months ago, maybe three. Could have been four. I didn't write it down when it happened. I remember it. And I looked over and there was Jesus' head in a chair. Just his head. He wasn't bleeding from his neck or nothing. Let me help you here. I don't watch stupid stuff on TV. <laughs> a girl on Good Morning America said, The Walking Dead is my favorite TV show. And looked at my wife and said, She's really sick, isn't she? You know the commercials of that. It's tra I mean, it's, it is bizarre. Nice looking lady, dressed nice, could speak well, has an education, but she's a nut, Barney. You remember Barney Five? Andy Griffith, Mayberry, RFD. <laughs> We're talking about Ernest T. Bass. <laughs> Rolina, Rolina. Remember that? Some of you aren't old enough to know that, but anyways. <laughs> And, and Barney's trying to say something. And Andy looks at him. He's a nut, Barney. He's a nut. Wake up. That girl's a nut on that show. Anyway. Wow. Psalm 48. I mean, yeah, I'm sorry. Genesis 48. Now, we're looking at uh, who used to be Jacob, but his name was changed because earlier in the book of Genesis, I think it's chapter 32. You don't need to know that, but you can just write it down. Uh, he wrestled with an angel all night, and he said, you have to bless me or I'm not going to let you go. So the angel did bless him and said, I'm going to change your name, but that was, he needed a name change. You know, Jacob means con man, modern terminology. He's always got a deal for you, but he's going to try to take everything you got. And remember him and his mother got in cahoots and got this, uh, I don't know, the animal skin or something, put it on him. It made him smell like his brother smelled. His brother was a hunter. You know, he had a Confederate flag on his antenna and had a shotgun in the back window. Like, I'm bad, you know. He was a bad motor scooter. And then his brother cheated him out of the birthright because once those words were released by Jay, by, yeah, he couldn't take them back. He begged his father, is there no way? He said, no, there's no way. I've already spoke the blessing. All right. We'll, we'll see him do something, the same thing that his dad did in this, in a sense. His name is now Israel, which means a prince with God. That's better than being a con man. Yeah. All right. In verse 14 of uh, Genesis 48. And Israel, that's Jacob now. He's got a new name and a new personality. Thank God. Stretched out his right hand and laid it upon Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand upon Manasseh's head, guiding his hands, we would say, skillfully, for Manasseh was the firstborn. So what he did, Joseph, their father, brought these two grandsons to him, but he switched his hands like this, and Joseph Dad, Dad, you're mixed up. He said, I'm not mixed up at all. Because Manasseh, if you'll read earlier in the book of Genesis, he did some inappropriate things. And he got, he got, he got messed up for that, and they couldn't let him have that first, firstborn blessing because he did some really terrible things. So his younger brother got it. Anyway, and he blessed Joseph. That was his son that brought these two grandsons to him. Still talking about Israel. It says, Before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God which fed me all my life long unto this day, the angel which redeemed me, 
or we could say delivered me from all evil. Bless the lads. So now he's telling us right here, Jacob, I don't know if he knew it then or he knew it his whole life. I'm unsure of that. Uh, but he realizes that this angel has been positioned with him, with Jacob or Israel, all his life, and he had a long life. Yeah. I think I wrote it in my Bible, 147 years. And he says, uh, the angel which were delivered me from all evil blessed the lads. Here's another thought I've had. The angels know how to bless people. And I know we think about God being the blesser, and he is. I'm not taking anything away from God. Remember, they're all on the same team. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, and all the elect angels, or the good angels, we would call them, they're all working to help us. You know, it's really all about us. I mean, you know, what they're doing to help up me and you. And he said, the angel which redeemed me or delivered me from all evil. And then I think it's Deuteronomy 7.15, it says, the evil diseases of Egypt. See, disease is evil. I mean, if you're sick, I'm not saying you're evil. I'm saying the sickness that's got upon you, if you have some, is from the evil one. Because God doesn't have sickness and disease. He'd have to go steal it to have it. People say, well, God put that on him to teach him something. You're not going to find that in the Bible. God forgive people who talk like that that are that ignorant. And so angels could bless you and let my name be named on them. This is his grandchildren and, and, and my father Abraham and Isaac and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth, not get drunk at the senior prom and run into a telephone pole. How about that? Because I knew somebody in my church that did that. Some girl in my church whose parents weren't too smart and they got her out working secular work, and she fell for a guy she worked with. She's pregnant. They're not married yet. He gets drunk, runs into a tree. He's dead. She's pregnant, no husband, no boyfriend, nothing. So we, we need to bring this into our thinking. When we get attuned to this, your angels are called to protect you and your children. He says right here, he redeemed me or delivered me from all evil. I remember my son... <clears throat> Jordan, I don't know how many years ago that's been. I was still the pastor then, and this friend of the ministry there that goes to my church regularly, he had a drug addict friend. He brought him to church, and I preached, and I led him to the Lord. And I said, hey, listen, before you leave the building, give me your phone number. You have a cell phone? Yep. I want to call you and talk to you. I can help you. I'm an ex-drug addict. So I called him several times. He wouldn't respond to my call. My son went over to the guy's house that I did know, and he came back home one night and said, hey, Dad, I was over at so-and-so's house and we were looking at all of his guns. I'm not an anti-gun. Have as many guns as you want. I could care less. You can have whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. You know that? God gives you that privilege that you can really screw your life up quickly. <laughs> so the Lord spoke to me immediately when my son said that. I said, you're not to go over that house anymore. And if you do, the Holy Ghost is going to tell me about it and you're going to really be in some hot water with me. Stay away from that house at this point. Two weeks later, the guy that was a drug addict came to my church. His parents were drug addicts. It's a long story. He's playing Russian roulette over there, shot himself and killed himself in front of everybody that was there that night. See, I didn't know that would happen, but I knew to tell my son to stay away from that house. You know, that's traumatic, you know, when you see somebody die in front of you by a self-inflicted wound. I'm sorry, I think he went to heaven because he prayed. He seemed sincere when he prayed with me. I'm talking to you right now. These, this is a personal angel. This was way back in the first book of the Bible. 
I, I, was, I, I got so intrigued with Genesis one time, I read it for about six months, once a month, and I realized everybody back there understood angels better than most people in the New Testament church. We need to step it up. Okay. So he had an angel assigned to him. He said his whole long life. And part of the reason he had a long life was because the angel, he didn't neglect that part of his redemption. Hebrews says it this way. Don't neglect the salvation that's been provided. And that's through the angels doing temporary things to deliver you. Yeah. All right. Just talking. Now let's, let's go over here to Matthew 18 a minute. I'm not going to take a whole lot of time. Okay, I got my clock here. I keep looking back there, but I can't read. 8.32. Um, 18, Matthew 18.10 here real quick. Because, you know, if Jesus didn't say anything about angels, then I probably wouldn't put a lot of emphasis on it, but he did. And he had angels around him his whole life. And uh, just a lot of scriptures for that. But let's read this one, Matthew 18.10. <clears throat> So we've seen angels are assigned to people. Actually, even in the garden, he had a cherubim at the gate. I, I guess you'd call it the gate or the entrance. And when he did what he did, Adam and Eve, he got put out of the garden. And that angel kept him from getting back in there because if he ate of the tree of life that lives forever, he would have lived forever. And humanity, we would all live forever in a lost state. You know you're related to Adam. You do know that all the way back. Okay. So he didn't want that to happen so man could be redeemed. So he put that angel there to protect the garden. And cherubims always protect holy places and holy things. Primarily what they do. Uh, Matthew 18.10, Jesus speaking, Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. I did a study on that. They were pretty young children, maybe preschool age, up to five or six. I don't know exactly, but it indicated these were younger children. And that I say, uh, for I say unto you, that in heaven their angels, look at that, T-H-E-I-R, their angels, do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. So these children, very young, he's telling us that the angels have been assigned to them because it says their angels. You know, this is my coat, my tie, my watch, my Bible, my notes. I'm just saying that for illustration. So an angel was assigned to every one of those children. That's what I'm saying to you. And um, he says they're paying attention to Father. They're not in heaven. It says in heaven, but now you have to understand, later I read Paul's writings over in 2 Corinthians 12. Listen, you can understand this. He said, I was caught up to the third heaven. So I said, okay, hold up. <laughs> Jesus said this back here about the angels in heaven. And I said, I'd like you to explain that to me, Jesus. Well, how is it three heavens? And he says, what he told me. I'm just talking to you here. Uh, he said the first heaven is this unseen realm that coexists with the seen realm. You know, I don't know if you see any angels in here, but the angels that work with me, they're with me. And all of you that have angels, they're here with you. And the book of Ecclesiastes says that there's an angel over every church too. And of course the pastor, and I'd say in this case, Pastor Debbie, probably a little more so because of things as they are right now. She is responsible to speak to that angel over this church to influence people to come, to influence people to help, whatever that means. They can't preach the gospel, but they can influence people. Okay. So anyway, back to the three heavens. So he said to me, the first is this unseen realm, but it's not unreal. Just because you don't see them doesn't mean they're not here. 
Yeah. I mean, if you think that, then if you, if you think in that level, you have more faith in the meteorologist than you do Jesus Christ. Because he comes on at night and says it's going to rain pour at 9 o'clock in the morning. You got your, your, your umbrella out, your raincoat, your hat, and all that. And it, you, it's not even seen a drop yet. Okay. So the second heaven, and it's interesting, during that time he was explaining all this to me. I was in an airport. I don't know where I was at in the earth. But they had a little bookstore there inside a magazine from NASA about different things. So I got it because on the front it said something about we put up a, a, a satellite. Uh, I don't know how many years now. It's probably been 20 years, but maybe at that time, maybe 10 years. And it's been sent into outer space with a Hubble telescope in it that shoots pictures back to NASA. And they've already said they've seen planets that look like Earth in another hemisphere in another <laughs> I mean it's been going out there how fast they go I don't know they've been out there about 20 years and it just keeps on going unless something hits it and tears it up I don't know what they do about that but so he said to me the first heaven is the unseen realm the second heaven is the stellar heavens the stars the moons the planets and he said you only know a little bit you don't even know your own solar system Michael there's all kinds of solar systems out there and then somewhere in the north of the universe, the Bible says, I'll let you find that on your own. You can do a little study. I think it's in the book of Isaiah. Heaven is in the north of the universe. The planet heaven where my wife lives. Yeah. And my, my first son-in-law is there. Dr. Dufresne's there. Some of my best friends are there. They were preachers. And, <laughs> you know what I mean. Anyway. And then the third heaven's the planet. So... Paul said he was caught up to the third heaven. And not, furthermore, I want to explain this to you because it's important you get it, that your children's angels do not live in heaven. Your children are in this planet with you, and they need that angel to be by them and protect them. And if they're in heaven, no matter how long it takes to get here, it may not be quick enough. So your thinking is wrong. And the Lord told me this. said, what do you think happened to the president, whoever's in your country is the president, if you send them to Somalia... The president sent the Secret Service to Italy. I said they'd bring him back in a casket because our enemies feel like that's a feather in their cap to kill our leader. How many are listening? So the Lord said, I'm giving you, he gave me that illustration. I'm telling you just what he told me. I didn't embellish it. He said, so you, you can't, the angels with your children and you, they can't be someplace else in the universe and be there too. That's impossible. You know, angels can only be one place at one time. How do you know that? Because I know my Bible. The Holy Ghost can be everywhere in the whole planet. It could go as far as you can get wherever you want to go in the world, and you hide behind a bush, and the Holy Ghost say, Hey, I'm right here. <laughs> I got you. I found you. Yeah. But that's the Holy Ghost. He's God. But angels are not God. Preaching pretty good here. All right. Let's go to Psalm 34 a minute. Psalm 34. I hope I'm not boring you. I'm talking about, you know, angels that have been sent to protect you. And you may feel a little overwhelmed, but that's why I wrote my book. And I'm not trying to make a sale with you. That's not it. I'm just trying to help you out. And, but I felt like I needed to talk about personal angels that are assigned to us. And I, so what I asked the Lord, another question, that's why I'm going to Psalm 34. I said, Father, do you have a one verse thing that would really help me explain to people what kind of uh, 
qualities they should have to be taken care of by the angels. And he said Psalm 34, 7. You know the scripture. And I quoted it back to him at the time. And it says in verse 7, The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him, that fear the Lord, and delivereth them. So let me, let me just dig around in this. First of all, let me say this. I just said it. I'm going to repeat it. The angel of the Lord is a real angel, but he could only be one place at one time. So this is not the angel of the Lord. In this context, it's the angel of the Lord. The Lord is over all of his angels because he's their creator. You know, the angel couldn't protect me and Pastor Debbie and Pastor Dennis at the same time because he's not three. He's not omnipresent. So it was just saying the angel of the Lord, the Lord's angels, they encamp around about them, that's me and you, that reverence him and he delivers them. Let me give you more definition on this. Uh, it says here, to encamp around about us, where it says encampeth means to encircle us or surround us. If you're taking notes, you can put a dot on your paper and draw a circle all the way around it. You're the dot and the angels are the circle. They got you covered. If you reverence God, let me talk about that a minute. The word in the Hebrew, uh, let me find where, where this goes out here. The word in the Hebrew says worship, respect, and devotion. The Amplified Bible says to adore or respect in word or action. So if that be true, that means I reverence God first as my Lord and Savior. And then I should be the member of a church if I really love God. So I would reverence and appreciate my pastors. And to be a good member of any church, I'm not in strife with everybody. I'm not judging everybody for what they don't do or how they've acted around me or something stupid they said. I just let things go. I'm not a hater. You better keep yourself out of strife or none of this works. The angels won't respond to you when you're in strife. And you're in an argument going to happen somewhere. You're always telling everybody everything you think and you've got a different point of view and cause a lot of problems. If that's you, stop it. Because <laughs> you're, you're disengaging your angel by your behavior. And you would revere, number one, your pastors, but also the Bible itself, the Word of God. If the Word of God says it, I need to bring myself into obedience to this, even if it's hard on my flesh. And there's been a lot of things in my life hard on my flesh. Thank you for your amen. <laughs> so, we're talking about getting delivered. And in the Hebrew, delivered, this is important. To escape wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, or completely, to deliver fully, or to liberate somebody. And then liberation means to free from dominion by a foreign power. Something's got a hold of your life, that's a foreign power. And it says here, he that the angel of the Lord will encamp around about us that reverence God, which we just went over. I have worship for God. But I'm not just one that comes to church and when Tiffany hears up here singing or uh, Regina or Rochelle, and if they lift their hands, and I haven't heard them say this, but I've been in plenty of services where the praise and say, let's all lift our hands. I'm not... I'm going to lift my hands out of obedience to that because they're in charge of the meeting at that point and not say, well, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Some people disqualify themselves in a minute sometimes by the rebellion. So I just, I'm just saying some things that will help us cooperate with the angels that they see. <laughs> you don't have to be perfect. That's why you have the blood. And if you make mistakes, I know I've made plenty. 
I said, God, I'm for, I, two things have kept me alive this far in my life. I'm 73, going to be 74 in about three months. Number one, I'm quick to repent when I miss it. I mean, really quick. I mean, I don't drag it around on me for two or three days, beat myself up 27 times. You know what I'm saying? And the other thing is I'm quick to forgive people that do me wrong. I'm quick to repent when I do wrong, but I'm quick to forgive people that did something against me to try to hurt me. I forgive them, Father. I'm not going to go through life a hater. And that'll put you in a lot of good stead with God if you do those two things alone. <laughs> you know, you have to train yourself sometimes. You know, when somebody's really been a stinker to you, you have a, your flesh wants to rebound against that. You want to straighten everything out, but, you know, I've tried, and I've just learned this the hard way. Sometimes I tried to straighten it out and got more complicated because I wanted everybody to know, you know, that I was right and they were wrong, but I had to stop doing that. When I get to heaven and stand in there for judgment, I'm not held responsible for what you did. I'm held responsible for what I did or didn't do, what I said or didn't say. You know what I'm saying. All right. Now, let me, um, and the best example of being delivered, wholly delivered completely, I could tell it quicker than, it's in 2 Kings 6, you could write it down. It's in 2 Kings chapter 6 and verses uh, 13 through 18. And this, I get tickled reading this because the, the heathen people are just so crazy. <laughs> Here's this heathen general, I think over Assyria, I think it's Assyria that's trying to catch Israel's armies out and bushwhack them. But the prophet over there, I don't remember if it's Elisha or Elijah, he keeps telling the, the forces of Israel where the enemy's going to try to set a booby trap. And this is the way the, the, the captain there in the series said, which one of you are betraying me? He's got all his top leaders in there. Who's going to raise their stupid hand? Back in those days, they just cut your head slick off in about that much time and your head's rolling around. Nobody's going to volunteer if they were doing it. But anyway, that just how heathens think. We're crazy. They think we're crazy? Oh, man. But somebody said, no, it's that prophet over there. And so he sends his army over there at the nighttime because they're chicken littles. I about said something else, but chicken littles. I did apologize to your pastor for spelling out that word yesterday, last night about the biker guy. I'm sorry, please forgive me. You probably heard the worst of that on the radio today anyway. So I did tell Pastor Debbie in the back room today, tonight, I said, please forgive me for spelling out that word. And she told me about Dr. Train something he spelled out. <laughs> well, I'm his boy. You know. <laughs> Hallelujah. So anyway, they got the whole mountain surrounded and in the ministry of helps guy to the prophet, he's got his new Nikes on. He's got a headband so he don't sweat down his face. He's got an Evian bottle in his pocket. Or, I could see the whole thing. And he runs around the city and he comes back and he says, boss, they got us surrounded. What are we going to do? He goes, oh, Lord, open his eyes. Well, that's where his problem was. He had open eyes and he saw the enemy. But really, he just saw the natural world. And when he opened his eyes behind the enemy army up on the hills on their horse, there was all these angels with their chariots and all that. So really they had the enemy surrounded. 
I don't know that the prophet ever saw that, but he just knew there was another realm that was invisible typically unless you see into it. Hallelujah. That's what I call getting delivered. And he, then he waved his hand, the prophet, and made the whole army go blind. He took the lead horse and said, I'm going to take you for the guy you're looking for. He led him right into Jerusalem and he must have sent a rider ahead so all the soldiers of Israel up on the, uh, the buildings, they got their, their stuff drawn. You want us to kill them? He said, no, they've been embarrassed enough. Just let them see and they'll go home. And they went home. They never came back in the prophet's lifetime because he so whipped the whole army, one guy. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, I'm about done here. Let me see here something I wanted to say to you. Let's go to Psalm 91. Hallelujah. <laughs> I've had a good time with you. You guys made me be laughable sometimes. <laughs> I tell you something, I'm just so thankful for God in my life. I was in Mexico. Uh, I don't know when that was. Uh, was it January, February? Do you remember, doctor? Huh? January. I was in there in January, and I was up preaching. I don't remember what I preached on right now. And I looked out over the congregation. There's a young lady sitting over here. She smiled at me the whole time. And when I saw her, I, don't, I just went through the whole congregation kind of like that. And the Lord said, when you're done preaching, go deal with that in her. Okay. My heart just was, I don't know how to tell you, I just knew something by the Holy Ghost. Because she's smiling. She acts like she's listening to every word I'm saying. So when I, he said, when you get done preaching... Sometime during your ministry time, you walk back to her and talk to her. And so I went back there and I, I said to her, she's that second girl inside third or fourth row. I said, uh, you right here, can I minister to you? And she said, yes, came out here. And I said, Lord said, you got something going on. And this so touched me. I said, what's wrong with you? I'm going to get you free. She said, she went like this, I've got mental problems. And man, it just it melted me. I said, well, I'm going to deal with that devil that's given you the mental problems. And I grabbed her by her head to come out of her. And I saw the spirit shoot out of her, her back and went out the back wall of the sanctuary. And I said, what just happened to you? And she said, something shot out of my back. I said, yeah, it's that spirit I just cast off of you that's been making you mental. Then later I had a conversation with the pastor and he told me, I didn't know any of this at that time. I think she was 26. She looked like she was 16. But said that her daddy encouraged her. She got pregnant from her boyfriend and she had an abortion. See, now if you've had an abortion, God will forgive you. Listen to me, I'm not putting anybody down because everybody has unique circumstances. It's not, I just sound silly to say it this way, you should always never think to kill your children. That's just a wrong way to think. And so I got her delivered. And the pastor, I called him a couple weeks later, and he told me she's doing real good. But her daddy encouraged her to get the abortion. So I knew then she's got a family with mental issues, too, the dad particularly. I don't know about the mother, but anyway, my heart goes out to people. So I'm in Psalm 91 here. I want to look at something with you in verse 11. For he will give his angels charge over you. But you can put you there where it says thee to keep you in all your ways. Now, so I looked this up, and uh, let me read another translation before I tell you how this works here. Uh, verse 11 from the Amplified, for he will give his angels a special charge over you. See, he understands how you think, how you function, how you live and everything, me too, to accompany you, <laughs> that's encouraging, and defend you and preserve you in all your ways of obedience 
and service. And that's kind of interesting too. Listen, if we'll just be obedient the best we know, and if we miss it, I always go right back to God and say, Father, I'm sorry I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry I shouldn't have watched that. Or whatever it is, I just tell God, I'm sorry, I, I just shouldn't have been thinking that way. How many understand what I'm saying? Yeah. You, just, you need to walk close to God and don't let things build up in you. Because yeah. <laughs> things can build up in you. Yeah. Yeah. And just get rid of it as quick as you can. And if somebody did something against you, just say, Father, I forgive them. And I'm asking you to help them. If you can help them, I pray that you would help them. And things like that. So this this here about thee is you. Uh, it says he they keep you. And I looked that up in the Hebrew. It means to watch, to keep safe, to protect, to preserve. And so then I just went into another mode. And I went to preserve out of the Webster's Dictionary, the new one I got. The new one's about this tall, the Noah Webster one. I had a little red one that America's changed it so much. But anyway, Noah Webster himself, he was a godly man. And he's got scriptures by all of his definitions as I'm written in there. And so I went to his uh, uh, dictionary. Pastor Alvin, who was just here the other day sitting here, he bought that for me. And this is what it means. And this is where I got this phrase, to keep safe from injury, harm, or destruction. You've probably heard me say that yeah, verbally. Yeah. Say, Father, every day I get up and say, Father, thank you for the angels that have charge over me that keep me safe from any injury, harm, or destruction. Then I pray over my family and my children, my grandchildren, and some of my sons and daughters and, you know, the, the, uh, <laughs> the Simons and other people. They're not sons and daughters, but they're and colleagues with me. You know what I mean. Yeah. I respect them highly. You've got, to bless, you've got to bless family to take care of you. You know, her and Pastor Johnny, but also the children. And the grandchildren are probably coming along. So you could say that every day. Father, I thank you they keep me safe. Let's say this together. Father, I thank you for the angels that you've assigned to me. They keep me safe from all injury, from all harm, and from all destruction. They keep me alive. They keep me intact. And they make me free from decay. That's all from that word preserve. Free from decay. That sounds good. <laughs> you know what cancer is and a lot of disease? It's a rebellious cell that creates other rebellions. It's like, you know, when you have cancer, in you, it's like a coup. It's trying to take over a certain area of your body, your heart, your liver, your lung. And I think today you told me about a person that had cancer of the heart. I'd never heard of that, but no matter what it is, and you need to speak to it and curse it and command it to die and dissolve and get out and that the Lord's preserving you. The angels are at least a part of that to keep you alive and to keep you intact or free from decay. That's rich. So if you'll do that, you'll keep the angels, you'll give them something to work with. I had a lot of other things here to read you. I don't know if I need to read it to you or not. I don't think I'll read it tonight. I think I'll just let that go. But we've had some really wonderful miracles in here. So let me just, let me just, you could stand up with me, please. Thank you for joining us today. To view Dr. Jacobs' travel itinerary, order products, and more, please visit cotrin.org slash mjm.